Romans chapter 5. Last week we talked a little bit about the benefits of knowing Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Romans chapter 5. Let's have a word of prayer. We'll get started. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this opportunity that we have to study your word again. I pray it would be helpful to all of us and that your word would continue to affect and change our lives. Father, help us to rightly divide your word. Help us not to put our will on the text, but Father, that you, your will would come out of the text, and Father, that we would then again apply it to our lives. Thank you so much for all you do for us. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins, that we might have an eternal home in heaven. We love you. We thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans chapter 5, let's look at verse 1. The Bible says this, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I asked you to underline a lot of words last week. I hope you did that, and I hope this will be helpful to you this evening. Now, let me ask this question. Raise your hand if, uh, if this would apply to you. How many of you would like to feel the love of God all the time? You'd like to feel the love of God all the time, all right? In every situation, in every circumstance, in every single thing that you do, it's like the love of God just oozes all over you, all right? I would love to feel that all the time. We as human beings, though, we have a tendency to make love contingent upon works, contingent upon what people are doing. Or maybe even what we're doing. If we do wrong, uh, we wonder, will our spouse love us anymore? We wonder that. If I do this, will my spouse love me anymore? If, if I punish my children, will my children love me anymore? Right? We've got all these things. If I say something that offends someone else, will that person still love me? We think these things, and this is kind of how we view our love. So humans base their love on all sorts of different conditions. However, this is the exact, the exact opposite of God's love. This is the exact opposite of God and His love. You see, God's love is unconditional. Completely and utterly unconditioned. There are no conditions attached to God's love. God loved us as wretched, vile sinners. I want you to notice this evening, verse 7 in your Bibles. You see it here on the screen as well. The Bible says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. This is our love. Yet, peradventure, for a good man, some would even dare to die. So if there's a, a, a righteous man, he, he does good works, and there's a good man, he does good works, some, some might die, it's pretty scarce for one person to die for a righteous man. This is, this is our love. We would never sacrifice ourselves even for a righteous man, a good man, somebody who's done all the right things. It'd be pretty rare for someone to do something like that. But I want you to notice verse 8. But God. Love those two words. But God commendeth His love toward us in that, I love this, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God showing His love to us while we were worthless, wretched, vile sinners. 
Think about this with me tonight, if you would. In our most wretched, vile, horrible state that we have ever been in, right? Pre-salvation. You don't have the blood of Jesus Christ cleansing you from all sin anymore. You don't have anything, anything between you and, and God. There's no Jesus Christ. There's no mediator. It's just you and God and God's wrath. Your sin lay bare open to him. There's nothing that can cover you. Think about that. In that state, your pure, unadulterated sin open to God, God's love was shown to us. Man, that is unconditional love. Even look at this, verse 6. For when we were yet without strength in due time christ died for the ungodly christ died for the ungodly this is god's love it doesn't matter how ungodly you are christ still died for you i mean verse seven again once again for scarcely for a righteous man will one die yeah, peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. This is, this is man's love. This is man's idea of love. Man, uh, I don't know. I weigh it. Maybe, maybe not. But God says, even for the ungodly, I would die. Even for the wretched, vile sinner, I would die. In our lowest of lows, God's love in Christ came and died for our sins. Let me give you a few examples of verses. John chapter 3. In verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In the wretchedness, God loved the world. John chapter 15 and verse 13, the Bible says this, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You see, the love of God is something spectacular. If you will, there's a song written, the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The last verse, could we with ink the ocean fill? Were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade to write the love of God above? Would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. This is the love of God. This is the awesome. This is the powerful. This is the most amazing love of God. The love of God is limitless. It reaches to every single individual. The love of God is unconditional. So I want to encourage you this evening. I don't know where you are. I hope everyone that's sitting here today is saved, knows Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, has experienced the love of God. But I want you to understand, God still loves you. That doesn't mean God's accepting of your sin, but God still loves you. Whom the Lord loveth, guess what? He chasteneth. Well, that's exciting times, right? It's a punishment that we receive because God loves us. The love of God is limitless and unconditional. 
It is with us in every circumstance of life. It is with us in every situation of life. It is with us in every single thing that we do. I had you raise your hand just a few moments ago. Who would like to feel that all the time? Listen, the reality is it is with us. The reality is it is always constantly with us. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation? Shall distress? Shall nakedness? Shall peril? Sword? Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, and the list goes on and on and on, shall ever separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise the Lord. The love of God is limitless. It is limitless. It is unconditional. We're working back a little bit tonight. I want you to look at verse 5 with me. And hope make it not a shame. Why? Because the love of God is shed abroad, shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. I want you to notice this phrase or this word shed abroad. Okay, so I asked you a question at the beginning, right? How many of you want to feel the love of God? Look at this. This love of God is shed abroad where? It's shed abroad in our heart. Okay, so it's shed abroad in our hearts. What is the word shed abroad? From Strong's Dictionary, it means this. To pour forth. To gush. To spill. I want you to think about the love of God just gushing. Right? When we think about... Um, I'm trying to think of how... Uh, puppy love, right? Ushy, gushy, Almost like, that's too much, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about, right? We used to see this in school all the time. <laughs> we used to see people just so in love, and it was disgusting to watch, right? And we go, oh, it's ushy, it's gushy, right? It's, but it's gushing forward. It's just coming out so much that it's just like, whoa, hold on. It's like a fire hose. Listen, this is the love of God shed abroad in our hearts. This is not gross and disgusting. This is exactly what we need. It's being shed abroad. It's being spilled out. It's being poured forth. And it just keeps coming and coming and coming and coming and coming. And it's shed abroad in our hearts. Let me give you an example. This is the same idea that is given in Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. When the Bible talks about giving. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together. And guess what? Running over shall men give into your bosom. So we like that about giving, right? We love it. Oh man, if I give, I'm going to get so much back. And it's just going to be gushing over, right? This is the same idea as the word shed abroad. God's love is being poured on us and it's gushing over and it keeps coming and it keeps coming and it keeps coming and it keeps coming. You may ask yourself the question, how is this done? How do I feel this? How do I understand this? How do I know this? Notice it's by the Holy Ghost. It's by the Holy Ghost. Maybe I should underline this one in red, different color. The Holy Ghost. It's done by the Holy Ghost. Do you know who the Holy Ghost is? Guess what? The, Jesus calls him another comforter. Woo! 
Shed abroad, God's love is shed abroad in our house by the Holy Ghost, the Comforter. Is it not comforting to know that you have love? Listen, I can take on the world. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you're doing if I have the love of my wife. She's really, truthfully, the only one that really matters to me. Man, I, I feel like I can take the whole world on. Everybody could be against me. But just to know, the comfort to know that I have someone who loves me unconditionally. Listen, that, take that and amplify that limitlessly. Keep going and going. And that's the love of God that's shed abroad in our hearts. The Holy Spirit is that. Do you know what else the Holy Spirit is? Ephesians chapter 1 and 2 tell us. He's the earnest of our inheritance. You know what? That means he's the down payment. He's the down payment of our inheritance. Jesus is coming again. He's made a promise and he's given us the Holy Spirit as a down payment for that. Praise the Lord. He is our seal. He's the seal. The Holy Spirit seals us. Man, listen, all of these things help us to be sealed in the love of God. He is our helper. Oh, and the list could go on and on and on again. So many things that the Holy Spirit is to us, but the Holy Spirit is the one who sheds abroad the love of God in our hearts. Let me put it to you this way. The Holy Spirit is bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Do you ever just feel not saved? Maybe not so much anymore, but when I was a kid, man, I remember I got saved when I was four years old. I can remember it so vividly sitting in my grandmother's primary church class. I can remember that so vividly. I remember the day I got saved. It was a nice, sunny spring day. I remember that. But you know what? For year after year after year until I was about eight years old, I questioned it. Did I do enough? Did I do enough? Listen, it's not about me. It's about what God had already done. His love. And so the Holy Spirit, listen, now I don't worry about my salvation anymore. The Holy Spirit is shedding that love abroad and He's my helper. He's my keeper. He's, he's my sealant, if you will. And so we have the Holy Spirit bearing witness. The Holy Spirit shedding the love of God abroad in our heart. Now, let me transition just a little bit. Have you ever hoped in something that has failed you? Have you ever hoped in something that has failed you? Let me illustrate. Maybe a sports hero or a television star. I'm just going to be honest. I love the Cosby show. When I found out everything that Bill Cosby had done, I was crushed. Crushed. Now, it's just another illustration of having hope in something and just being, ugh. Ever watched a movie and look up the actors in it and just go, oh my goodness, that is not who I thought they were? What about a pastor? How about a spouse? How about a parent? How about a grandparent? Now, those are all people, people that we put our trust in, people that we hope in, and that they fail us. Hope is hope. Wonderful as hope is, from Romans chapter 4, who against all hope believed in hope. As wonderful as hope is, you ever just feel like sometimes hope fails you? I've put my hope in a car before. <laughs> That's failed. 
I've put my hope in a bike, in a tool. Listen, you put your hope and trust in some things, and it fails. Now, I want you to look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 5 at the beginning of this passage. And hope maketh not ashamed. Hope maketh not ashamed. Now, I want you to think about this. Because of the guaranteed love of God, right? It's guaranteed. We know it 100% for sure. God's love is unconditional. God's love is limitless. The Holy Spirit bears witness of that because of the guaranteed love of God that is gushing all over us through the Holy Spirit. Listen, our hope will never be ashamed. Oh, not our hope in a spouse, not our hope in a grandparent, not our hope in a church member, not a hope in a pastor, not a hope in anything else, but our hope in God. Notice this verse again, Romans chapter 5 and verse 5, and hope maketh not ashamed. Why? Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. We don't have to worry about it because it's constantly there. It's always there, and we have a witness that it's always there. We have somebody telling us that it's always there. Our hope will never be made ashamed. Our hope in the love of God will never be disappointed. Do you believe that tonight? Do you believe that the hope of the love of God, will, you'll never be disappointed in that? God's love will always be there. It will always, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It will always be there. I will never fail you. Our hope in the love of God will never be disappointed. Now let me ask this question. How do you build hope? How do you build hope? Because if we're going to have hope, we, we have to build that. If we need to see the light at the end of the tunnel, how do we see the light at the end of the tunnel? How do we get to this point where we have hope and it makes not ashamed? Well, let's go back to verse 4, and you'll never guess. The Bible says, and patience, experience, and experience brings hope. Experience, hope. So I want you to uh, maybe just circle that word, experience. Experience experience, and I want to do this, I want to experience brings hope. Experience brings hope. Now let me try to illustrate this the best I can, or try to explain it the best I can. The more we experience, think about this, the more we experience the love of God, the more hope we have in it. Does that make sense? The more we experience the love of God, the more hope we have in it. Again, trying to illustrate between my wife and I, the more I experience my wife's love, the more I feel her love around me, the more I know that in bad times, in hard times, in good times, in every time, she loves me, the more I hope in it. The more she doesn't let me down, the more I hope. Now, I have to ask the question, how do we experience more and more of the love of God? You'll never guess. It's in the verse. Look at verse 4 again. And patience, let's go this way, experience. 
So I need to be experiencing the love of God more, right? So that I can hope in it more. Well, how do I get more experience in the love of God? I have to have patience. Am I starting to lose some of you? <laughs> We're starting to get down to places that we don't really like. Most of us don't like, I, this is why partially I did it in red. Red is bad, right? How many of you were in school and had a, a teacher with a red pen? I heard somewhere down the line they, they got rid of the red pen because it was making people, students, feel uncomfortable with their work. Man, there was red all over my papers, all over the place. Red, patience, we don't like the word patience. I don't want to have patience. I don't want to do these things. But if we're going to experience the love of God and gain hope in the love of God, then guess what we have to do? We have to have patience. Abraham has been our illustration or our example over the last several weeks. Now think about this. Because of the lack of patience, that Abraham showed, I believe this, I believe he missed out on experiencing the entire incredible wonder of God. You say, no, 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 he had Isaac. No, I know. But this is purely conjecture, okay? So you take this for what you want, it's purely conjecture. I just think about me, okay? Think about this with me. I have no doubt in my mind that after Isaac was born, miraculously right we talked about how physically their bodies could not do it there was no way no possible way miraculously born Isaac was I have no doubt in my mind that after Isaac was born Ishmael was somewhat of a sore spot for even Abraham we know that it was a sore spot for Sarah we know that the Bible tells us that in fact, Sarah kicks them out and says, you need to go get them out of here. And remember Hagar sitting by a well? You remember all that story? Okay, so I'm trying to say, even for Abraham, the thought of Ishmael was a sore spot. Maybe he thought something like this. Again, purely conjecture. Man, what if I had just been patient? Man, what if I had just waited for God. Do you know when you just, you, you've had those moments, right? Where you're just like, oh, I got what, I, what God promised, but man, now I got this, uh, this thing that I have to deal with now. What if I had just been patient? What if I had waited for God? Isaac's birth would have been that much more sweet. Would have been that much more incredible. How many times have we been in the exact same position? Ah, if I had just waited. Ah, if I had just waited. What about this one? We, we tell this to teenagers. What if I had just waited to have sex inside of marriage? What if I had just waited? I wouldn't have all of this baggage. What if I had just waited on God for that relationship? Man, wouldn't it be that much sweeter? What if I had just waited on God for that money instead of going into debt? And I wouldn't have to pay that, that uh, interest rate. And my credit card interest rate, 25%. I'm paying that. What if I had just waited for... I did get the thing that I wanted to get, though. 
but what if I had just waited for God? Listen, again, I could say this about so many different things. What if I had just waited for God? Patience. Patience. I want you to see, and if you'll turn over there with me, Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28, the Bible says this, Hast thou not known? Hast hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not? Neither is weary, there is no searching of his understanding. And this is where we sit, right? We sit like Abraham, like going, how is this going to work out? I'm trying to understand what he's doing, and uh, I think that this is what I ought to do. I think I ought to step ahead, and I ought to just do what I think is right. Verse 29, he giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, look at no might, he what increaseth strength. He just gives them things that they just don't know what to do. Even the youths shall faint. And be weary. And the young men shall utterly fail. Verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord what are they? shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as evil eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Wait. Wait. I say on the Lord. Patiently. Patience. Patience. Look what patience brings. And patience brings what? Experience. Let me ask some of you more mature people here tonight. Does patience bring experience? Is that true? Does patience bring experience? You have much experience and most young people want to jump out there and get ahead and do and do and get, get ahead of everything. I remember when I, when I was a kid, I wanted to be an adult so bad. I wanted to be an adult so bad. I remember and I, I wanted to work crazy enough. I remember one person, my co- one of my coworkers saying to me, listen, I'm glad you want to work. You have the rest of your life to work. Enjoy being a kid. Be patient, right? Unsaved, ungodly man. But he said, you have the rest of your life to work. Listen, we have an entire life that God is using. And when we step ahead of that and we're not patient and we run ahead of God, guess what we're doing? We're overstepping our means and we're missing out on the blissful experience of the love of God working in our life. Patience brings experience. And when we are patient, we will experience all that God and all that God's love has to offer. Now the question is this, where does one get patience? Notice at the end, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Now how many of you just turned me off? Look at this. Tribulation works patience. 
How in the world are we going to experience the love of God? How in the world are we going to hope in the love of God? How in the world are we going to experience patience and patience working experience? The only way that the Bible shows us is through tribulation. Tribulation. Say it one more time. Tribulation. Tribulation is the thing that works patience. Tribulation works patience. You might ask this question, well, how does tribulation work patience? Can I, can I find patience any other way? Well, no. Patience, tri- excuse me, p- tribulation works patience because we know that patience leads to experiences and experience to hope. And hope is not ashamed. Why? Because the love of God is gushing all over us. We can patiently, listen, we can patiently endure tribulation because we know God loves us. You say, hold on, you just lost me. Let me say it one more time. We can patiently endure tribulation because we know the end god loves us i work backwards for a reason because listen all of us want to know the love of god all of us want to experience the love of god listen the way that we experience the love of god is through tribulation it's almost as if to experience the love of god you have to pay the price of tribulation Let me illustrate. Jesus Christ came to this earth. And what did he go through on the cross? Tribulation. For what purpose? To show, to manifest the love of God. Listen, he paid that debt for us. He paid that debt for us. We can patiently endure tribulation. Why? Because we know that God loves us. Let me illustrate with a verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17. And you can, I mean, the whole of chapter 4 is, is so, so packed full of, you can see in verse 8, we are troubled on every side yet not distressed. We are perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not forsaken, cast down but not destroyed. And he's just constantly just beaten up, beaten up, beaten up. But notice verse 17, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, Worketh for us, what, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things that are seen, look at, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Just to illustrate in this context, listen, the love of God is eternal. It is not temporal. Oh, I want to see the love of God. I want to touch the love of God. I want to feel the love of God. Listen, the things that we feel, touch, and know, and see, those are the things that are temporal. 
And listen, this light affliction, this tribulation that we're going through is not for right now, but that's what we look at, isn't it? Oh, I just want to get out of this right now. I'm sick of this. I don't want to go through this. I don't want to be here. God, please take this trial. Please take this tribulation away from me. I don't want to go through this anymore. God, please. And God says, hold on. If you'll just have some patience, I'll give you an experience that you've never, ever seen in your life before. And you'll hope more in the love of God. I just want to show you my love. We may not be able to see it, but we know that this is what a loving God wants for us in this moment. What a loving God wants for us in this moment. Now, I want you to notice the first part of chapter, chapter 5 and verse 3. Actually, let's go back to verse 2. Because we talked a little bit about this last week and it gives us a little bit of context. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of what? The glory of God. Okay, so we're rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. That God will get the glory from our lives. But look at verse 3. And not only so. Not only glory in the hope of God, but look. But we glory, oh my goodness, in tribulations. Now if I start here, you know what the first question I ask is? How many of you glory in tribulations? Yeah, that's what I thought. Nobody, nobody ever raises their hand in that. But let me ask you this question tonight. What if the end goal was experiencing and hoping in and a feeling and being utterly consumed with the love of God? How many of you would go? I think I would. If I knew the end goal was to be surrounded, to be filled, to be, have the love of God shed abroad in my heart over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and my hope wouldn't be ashamed, and I, I would continually hope and hope and hope and hope, and my experience was with, of the love of Christ would continue to show me, and I'd have patience. Man, give me all the tribulation you want. I just want to experience the love of God. Amazing. So, he says we glory in tribulation. I want you to go to James chapter 1. We're studying this in our small groups. James chapter 1 and verse 2. James chapter 1 and verse 2, the Bible says this. My brethren, notice, 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 don't miss it. Count it all joy. Why? When, when, not if, when, when ye fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, that the what? The trying of your faith worketh patience. <laughs> but let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. I can almost guarantee you this. If you experienced and felt the love of God daily, over and over and over and over again, and you weren't focused on what you were wanted or what you were going through, 
you'd say, I want nothing more. Perfect and entire wanting nothing. I want nothing more. And can it be that I should gain interest in my Savior's love? Died he for me who caused his pain? Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Listen, I need nothing else. I don't need anything. If I never, if I never heard the birds chirping, if I never felt the sand on my feet, if I never felt the birds, or excuse me, the, the wind blowing, if I never heard anything else to know that He saved me is more than enough. Feeling the love of God. And this is what we have. We can be perfect and entire wanting nothing. This is almost the same thing. Listen, the trying of your faith is going to come for the purpose of working patience. Patience works experience. Experience hope. And hope makes us not ashamed. Why? Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. We were just there, but go back. Chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul, just a few chapters before, says this light affliction. This light affliction. Verse 9. Verse 8. Verse 7 is a thorn in the flesh. Verse 8, I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, verse 9, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. I want you to underline most gladly. Give it to me. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in what? In my infirmities. Same word as tribulation. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. I glory in tribulation. I glory in Why? Because the end goal is so amazing. Because the end is something spectacular. The only physical thing I can ever even compare to this is childbirth. Oh, the travail of childbirth. But what? The end is worth it, is it not? Holding that child for the first time. And, and for whatever reason, 20, I think 20 months or 22 months later, we're having another one. What, are we, what is she, insane? You want to go through that kind of pain again? You want to do all that over again? What in the world are you thinking? Listen, the end goal is that sweet that I would rather glory in my infirmities. A glory in tribulation. When we know that God loves us unconditionally and that God is constantly trying to show us the depths of His love, we can glory in tribulations. Why? Because Romans chapter 5 and verse 3. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Knowing, 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 knowing that tribulation worketh 
patience and patience experience and experience hope and and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of god is shed abroad in our hearts by the holy ghost which is given unto us god delights in making broken things whole god delights in making the broken things whole in fact it's the epitome of the manifestation of His love. It's the epitome of the manifestation of His love. Think about it. When we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's the epitome. It's the pinnacle. It's the peak. It shows the greatness. It shows the awesomeness. It shows the power of His love. So listen, tribulations are there to make us weak so that we can see the power of God. We can see the love of God. So, this is going to sound weird, but when you're going through a trial, I'm going to challenge you with this. Laugh. Let me say that again. When you're going through a trial, laugh. I know it's hard. Why? Because this is God's way of giving you more hope in His love. Because he's taken something that's broken and he's making it into something spectacular. And he's showing his love through it. But you have to let, you have to let patience have her perfect work. That you might be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Listen, every one of us is going to go through or is going through a tribulation. And Paul says, I glory. Bring him on most gladly. Laugh because what else is there to do? In everything, give thanks. Tribulations? Yeah. Why? Because God is doing something in your life. God's going to show you his love like you've never seen it before. This is how you can glory in tribulation. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for the opportunity. What a wonderful privilege it is to study your word. But Father, I pray that the impossibility of glorying in tribulations would become possible because of your love. Father, in a tribulation, we know that your love is still true. We know that nothing's going to separate us from your love. Tribulation? No. We're more than conquerors. So your love is doing something in that tribulation. Help us to have patience. Help that patience to turn into experience and that experience into a greater hope of what you're going to do. Help us grow through tribulation and glory in it. We can't do this of our own. It is absolutely impossible. Absolutely impossible, humanly speaking, to do. But Father, through your love, through your power, you make the broken things whole. And I pray tonight that you would help us to grow in this way. Father, I pr I'm probably going to have to live these words out. I pray that your love would see me through it. 
that you would just continue to use your love shed abroad in my heart and in the hearts of these people here tonight. We love you. Thank you for all you do for us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.